opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Conversation, reparations, conversation, reparations, conversation, reparations. The voice of Incobra, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. Uh, this show is hosted by myself, Jumoke Fechayo, the Southeast Regional Representative of Incobra, as well as the coordinator of the ASHE Committee and the male co-chair of the Atlanta chapter of Incobra. And also I have a sister working with me. Sister Bonita Lacey, the uh, female co-chair of the Atlanta chapter of Incobra. All right, all right. We missed everybody. Yes, we're glad you're back and feeling better and back in back in the let's say back in the saddle again. (laughs) (laughs) All of these crazy cliches that we, we perpetuate, and I'm guilty too. So anyway, um, we have, a, uh, again, a power pack show, and um, so much we, we, we try to pack into this hour. Um, uh, you know, we started out saying we were going to do every other Monday, or not, I'm sorry, not every other Monday, the first and third Mondays of, of each month, and I think, and then we said in October, we were thinking about starting every uh, every Monday, and we may start that sooner than that, because, you know, each week I think about all of the information and things that are happening that, that, that should be covered uh, information that's happening now, information that's happened in the past um, there's just a lot going on in this movement and we want to bring you um, up to date uh, about these things as well as giving you historical um, information as well 
So in that vein, what we want to do on this show, um, this particular show, is we want to cover some ground. Particularly, we want to put this conversation inside the framework of Black August, which we'll go into a little uh, in, in a little bit. We also want to um, amplify the um, the importance of political prisoners and prisoners of war. That has always been a, a high demand for particularly those of us in the Cobra in the reparations movement. We've always felt and understand the importance that one of our first demands um, for reparations has to be the freeing of our political prisoners and prisoners of war. And even Jamoka says, not speaking on behalf of Nkoba, but really, to me, part of reparations would also include freeing all our brothers and sisters from prison. Uh, and then we would have the um, custodianship and how to handle their transition back into the community. Um, again, we can we'll cover, get into that a little bit later. Uh, we also want to talk about a very um, powerful convening that happened in Ferguson in, in this past, not, excuse me, not this past weekend, uh, weekend before la week before last, um, August the 8th through the 11th, which coincided with the um, the fifth anniversary of the killing of Michael Brown, but more importantly, the Ferguson uprising that ensued after that um, and how the community um, rallied around um, the oppression in, 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 in Ferguson, um, coming not even just from the police, but particularly from the police department, but also just in general in that uh, area. And so the, the, the people um, rose up and, and fought back and so five years later, we revisited that uh, uprising and the significance of uh, Michael Brown being killed, as well as centralized that whole conversation inside the conversation of reparations. Um, so yeah, so we, we're gonna, um, I attended that convention as well as hopefully uh, Queen Mother Marsha Riki, Joanza, who is the female co-chair of Encobra, she also attended that convention as well. And actually, just um, at the same time, you know, we could just touch on this, at the same time, there was another gathering called Black is Back Coalition, of which Encobra is also a part of. And for many years, Queen Mother Dorothy Ben Lewis was the Encobra representative in that coalition in, represent, in representing in Cobra, but currently Brother Cam Howard, the male co-chair of Cobra, is the Black is Back uh, representative for Cobra, and he uh, and that convinced their conference was in St. Louis as well at the same time. So I uh, did a little dip over and got to hear our Brother Cam Howard speak um, on the reparations panel uh, as well as um, here, Charles Barron, Assemblyman Charles Barron out of New York, who has been a, a consistent advocate for reparations um, as a city council person, really just as an activist advocating for it. But he has used his platform as a city council person and now using his platform as a New York uh, Assemblyman to raise the issue of reparations on the state level for the state of New York. And then also there was a, a young woman, um, 22 years old, 
who is running for city council in Petersburg, in St. Petersburg, Florida, who is a part of the Impeda movement or rural movement, and she's running on a reparations platform. So they, she wasn't um, there. Her election is coming up soon in August, and she wasn't able to. Um, be there physically but they skyped her in and she was very dynamic and showing the connections of different things going on in her community and how she saw those things all connected to reparations and so um, the three of them Charles Barron Assemblyman Charles Barron uh, male co-chair and co uh, Chan Howard and city uh, sister Akile I'm not sure I can't remember her last name uh, Akile who's running for City Council in um, Florida, and and then after their panel was finished, um, Chairman Omala Yesatella uh, over the uh, Uhuru movement, and the he was closing out, giving closing remarks, and and a part of his closing remarks, he gave a strong uh, presentation on reparations as well, because he has also been a long term. Um, advocate and fighter for reparations going back to at least the 70s and 80s. He was holding, even before in COBRA, he was holding uh, reparations tribunals calling for uh, reparations. So it was, that was a very strong um, panel. And I guess I was going to talk about that but I, later on, but I just did. So let's go ahead and um, move into um, Black August. You have uh, something you'd like to share with us about Black August? Uh, Sister Bonita. I would. I would. Uh, I want to invite everybody to go to the Auburn Avenue Angola 3 screening and it's Black Panthers and the Last Slave Plantation and it's in recognition of Black August on August the 21st, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and it's free. So it, it, it journals um, three people, Robert King, Herman Wild. Robert King Wilkerson, Herman Wallace, and Albert Wood Fox. It journals their um, long stay in Angola, Louisiana prison. Since we're talking mm -hmm. about supporting uh, political prisoners, they were the longest held political prisoners in the United States. Yeah. I wanted to, yeah. you know, recognize them in this Black August. Mm -hmm. And, and and that's for those of those people living in the Atlanta metropolitan area, the Auburn Avenue Research Collaborators, where we have people listening to us nationwide and, and probably even international. So, but yes, if you're in the Atlanta area, you can uh, go check out that film, or when that film is shown in your area, you can check out that film as well. Mm -hmm. So, brother, Jamoki. Yes. Tell us about the three things that happen in Black August collectively that we can do or should be doing to recognize Black August and uh, self-discipline. Sure, sure. So Black August is centered, centers around four key things for people to do. And this is, um, and so the context of this is really that the, I guess the overall frame I would say is that this is a time for us to really rededicate ourselves to African liberation, rededicate ourselves to working on the issue of freedom and justice for ourselves and our and our people. Uh, and so during Black August, people are asked to fast, um, a, a fast similar to the way the Muslims fast, so fasting during the day of no food, um, 
and actually I'll say there's different levels to it because in a full level you 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 where well, you're fasting and you can and you can drink water but um and and then in the evening you you can break the fast with food so from sun up to sundown there's no food but in addition to um the fasting from food people are actually even asked to fast from um the whole month of august from uh drugs from uh, alcohol and any other um chemical substances as well as to fast from even television, to fast from supporting uh, corporations, corporate American entities, to fast from fast food restaurants. Again, like I said, there's different levels that you can choose to commit yourself to, but these are some of the things that ask that people to consider to do as you uh, make a sacrifice and as you consider yourself rededicating yourself to our struggle. I don't like to say struggle, to our liberation and our freedom. The second thing that people are asked to do is to study, um, read the works of our political prisoners and prisoners of war. Um, there's a good book I, um, that I'm familiar with. I haven't read it yet, but it's called We Are Our Own Liberators by J- Jaleel Mutakin. There's another, um, there's two books by George Jackson, Soledad Brothers, and um, I believe it's Blood in My Eye. Um, by George Jackson. Um, those are two stand, uh, three standard books that people are encouraged. But any book that really that can give you some insight, particularly around freedom liberation, if you're going to read books on the, the Cuban Revolution or or, or, or uh, you know Kwame Nkrumah or Thomas Sankara, any of those people, um, uh, you know Chairman uh, Mao Zedong, any any books that you know or book. Um, that will help to, or information that will help to uh, increase your knowledge and awareness, particularly around liberation, around organizing for freedom, organizing for independence. Um, you know, we those that type of study is encouraged. You can do that study on your own, or you could do that study with uh, a group of people. Um, some organizations are even having webinars. Uh, around that, the uh, Malcolm X Grassroots Movement is one organization that has webinars. They do doing webinars every Thursday evening. Matter of fact, their last webinar this uh, past Thursday was on Queen Mother Moore and reparations. And um, so I did uh, participate in that webinar. I think the next webinar is going to be around self-defense, and it's on Thursdays. Um, and so. So, so one, so fasting, study, and then training. Um, we're we encouraging people to um, focus on your physical fitness, running, walking, um, developing a physical fitness re- uh, regimen. If you don't have one, just take some time and do some extra push-ups, do some extra sit-ups, do some basic exercises. Um, that can also be extended to actually, again, working with other people. That can be extended, again, in terms of, going to taking martial arts classes um, or whatever you can do to just take up your take up your game a notch as it relates to your own personal physical fitness um, is encouraged during this time in this month of August um, and then the last one is fight and fight really just means you know um, and that one it just really means doing those three things and then working with other people um, writing out political prisoners and prisoners of war during this time, um, the, you know, standing up and demanding uh, reparations um, and other ways that you may choose to do work in your community, um, 
uh, teaching other people about our movement, you know, different things that you may choose to do to uh, elevate, again, your our um, forward movement for liberation and freedom. So those are the four things, the four core elements that um, Black August is built around. It's not, uh, you know, it's not a uh, Black History Month in August. It's not even something that we say we celebrate. It's really a time to, as I understand it, to rededicate ourselves to um, our people and to fighting for liberation and freedom. So at this time, uh, why don't we play a little uh, clip um, from Brother Mumia um, talking briefly about um, Black August. Um, Mumia Abu-Jamal probably being one of our most well-known um, political prisoners, prisoners of war. We uh, He's still in a fight to get out of jail. He, uh, recently, he was removed from death row, as I understand, but still in a fight for total emancipation from jail and, and, and hopefully not just emancipation, but emancipation with some reparations like Geronimo Dijaga. Uh, who was, when, was falsely accused and served 27 years in jail and did come out and got some measure of reparations. Um, no, um, I don't want to say no amount is, is, uh, can pay you back, but at least some form of uh, recompense is due to, uh, people like Mumia, Abu-Jamal, and others in jail. So let's go ahead and hear from Brother Mumia now. George Jackson was my hero. He set a standard for prisoners, political prisoners, for people. He showed the love, the strength, the revolutionary fervor that's characteristic of any soldier for the people. He inspired prisoners, whom I later encountered, to put his ideas into practice, and so his spirit became a living thing. A quotation from Dr. Huey P. Newton. Ph.D., former Minister of Defense of the Black Panther Party at the Revolutionary Memorial Service for George Jackson in 1971. August, in both historic and contemporary African-American history, is a month of meaning. It is a month of repression. August 1619, the first group of black laborers called indentured servants landed at Jamestown, Virginia. August 25, 1967, Classified FBI memos went out to all bureaus nationwide with plans to, quote, disrupt, misdirect, discredit, or otherwise neutralize, unquote, black liberation movement groups. August 1968, the Newark, New Jersey Black Panther Party office was firebombed. August 25, 1968, L.A. Black Panther Party member Steve Bartholomew, Robert Lawrence, and Tommy Lewis were murdered by the LAPD at a gas station. August 15, 1969, Sylvester Bell, San Diego Black Panther Party member, murdered by the US organization. August 21, 1971, Black Panther Party Field Marshal George L. Jackson assassinated at San Quentin Prison, California. Three guards and two inmate turncoats were killed, three wounded. It is also a month of radical resistance. August 22, 1831, Nat Turner's Rebellion rocked Southampton County, Virginia, and the entire South when slaves rose up and slew their white masters. August 30, 1856, John Brown led an anti-slavery raid on a group of Missourians 
at Osawatomie, Kansas. August 7, 1970, Jonathan Jackson, younger brother of Field Marshal George, raided the Marin County Courthouse in California, arming and freeing three black prisoners, taking the judge, prosecutor, and several jurors hostage. All except one prisoner were killed by police fire that perforated the escape vehicle. John was 17. And in an instance of resistance and repression, August 8, 1978, after a 15-month armed police standoff with a Philadelphia-based naturalist MOVE organization, the police raided MOVE, killing one of their own in police crossfire and charging nine MOVE people with murder. The MOVE 9 and prisons across Pennsylvania are serving up to 100 years each. August, a month of injustice and divine justice, of repression and righteous rebellion, of individual and collective efforts to free the slaves and break the chains that bind us. August saw slaves and the grandsons of slaves strike out for their God-given right to freedom, as well as the awesome price, the ultimate price, always paid by those who would dare oppose the slave master's will. Like their spiritual grandfather, the blessed rebel Nat Turner, those who oppose Massa in this land of unfreedom met murder by the state. George and Jonathan Jackson, James McLean, William Christmas, Bobby Hutton, Steve Bartholomew, Robert Lawrence, Tommy Lewis, Sylvester Bell, all suffered the fate of Nat Turner, of the slave daring to fight the slave master for his freedom. Rochelle McGee, for the crime of surviving the Marin County Courthouse Massacre, has been consigned to a life in California slave coffles, modern-day dungeons called adjustment centers, where he has languished since August 1970. He is a political prisoner guilty of the unpardonable sin of insurrection, and though not executed by hanging like his ancestor Nat Turner, nor executed by firing squad like his co-rebels, he endures a cruel living death in the bowels of Babylon. Their sacrifice, their despair, their determination, and their blood has painted the month black for all time. Let their revolutionary sacrifice not be forgotten nor taken in vain. From Death Row, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. Yes, yes. Um... Mumia is always so um, eloquent to me and his voice so um, powerful and it just resonates in your spirit. I just always appreciate hearing his words and his analysis. And so that, and go ahead. That was a great piece, a very informative educational piece. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're, we're going to, um, I don't know, is Queen Mother uh, Mashariki on the line? Brother Elliot? You mean Brother Scotty? Brother Scotty, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, if the uh, one of the scheduled guests is on the line, hit star star on your keypad as I don't have your numbers to identify you. Hit star star to okay. unmute yourself. There's a 317 that dialed in, but they could just be listening. I'm not sure. Oh, that's probably her. That's, uh, yeah. Okay, you got it. So, so we're going to go ahead and um, on the last show, we just kind of gave the lineup and went through the schedule 
for the reparations convening. And and so we're going to go ahead and just give some of the highlights on the reparations convening, and then we're going to move from there to discussing oh, the brother Jim. Okay, uh, uh, you did yeah. you hear um, the sister? And um, if, if the person at three one seven, if you could watch the background noise um, that's coming through oh, okay. on the broadcast, but brother Jamoke, is that your guest? Yes. You want me to put yes, it on mute? No, 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 no. no. no we're we getting ready to talk about the 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 convening right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So um, let me just, I'm going to, uh, I'll just read uh, the from the invitation um, of the National Grassroots Reparations Convening. We invite you to our upcoming program in Ferguson, Missouri, during the fifth anniversary weekend of the murder of Mike Brown, Jr. and the Ferguson Uprising from August 8th through 11th. We are hosting a national truth-telling and grassroots reparations convening where we will have invited organizers and activists from black-led grassroots organizations throughout the nation, as well as the families and friends of people victimized by police violence to Ferguson to participate in this important commemoration and work towards the transformation of our communities and the transformation of the relationships between black folk and the broader society, which is currently so much shaped by structural and direct violence. Our organizing and this convening is rooted in restorative and healing justice. According to Cara Page and the Kindred Healing Justice Collective, healing justice identifies how we can holistically respond to and intervene on generational trauma and violence and bring collective practices that can impact and transform the consequences of oppression on our bodies, hearts, and minds. So that was sort of the I'm calling it the opening mission statement for the National Grassroots Reparations Convening, which I was one of the organizers of. Um, the lead organizer is Dr. Dave Raglan, along with a team of activists that helped us to organize this event. Uh, we also have been joined on the line by Queen Mother Marsha Riki Jawanza, who is the National Female Co-Chair of INCOBRA. And we welcome you to the show, Conversation Reparations. And Greetings. We is and um, asked her to come on because she was also in attendance at the uh, at this convening and and was a participant um, as well. So you may want. Um, I was going to just kind of go through the schedule a little bit, but if you just want to maybe give some opening remarks about the convening and um, what your just overall impression of it was. Sure. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to uh, to expect. I had not been to Ferguson before. Uh, as mm -hmm. I told the people in Ferguson, I have uh, prayed for Ferguson and I have cried for Ferguson, but I had never mm -hmm. physically been there. So actually being in the midst of uh, the Brown family, the front line, mm -hmm. uh, the brothers and sisters that are holding the line and still supporting the family there, uh, and uh, being a, a part of this uh, convening um, was um, very impactful um, because not only was, were we there to uh, 
uh, deal with the, the situation with uh, the Brown family. There were other families yeah. that uh, also came. Uh, Emmett Till's family was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Joseph family out of out of Tampa, and you know the mm-hmm. stories just kept flowing. And as the stories flowed, uh, you know it just uh, made us realize uh, that this uh, 400 years of terror uh, is still going on. Uh, and they're targeting our children. And so that's uh, uh, what, what kind of impacted me uh, while I was there. Yeah, that's that's good. I, I, I can um, agree with you on a lot of that, you know. And maybe we'll just be organic about it and not just go through the schedule. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, we actually went through the schedule on the, on the last show and kind of gave people what the lineup was going to be. But it was very... The energy was was interesting at this at this event because, like you said, you know we were, we're organizing and we're talking about reparations. Yet and still, we have these families here that actually have you know been traumatized and and have been you know that have lost loved ones, you know, due to and when they tell their stories and and then I guess and to me even and even more hurtful or more traumatic is is the fact that you know justice hasn't happened in almost every one of these cases exactly. you know none of the none of the none of the cops have been accused matter of fact i think just recently and um just i think i heard this on the news today that the uh, person that killed um eric garner the police officer he was just fired and i don't know if that's justice it's, i mean that's i guess that's a step but you well, know three uh, years as, later as, that uh, just happened but that's not even yeah. really Mother said, "You know, you lost your job. I lost my son." Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that was um, interesting. I think also, you know, um, should be interested. I mean, one thing that should be highlighted about this convening as well is that uh, a lot of emphasis was put on reparations from a spiritual perspective. There were a lot of different um, people from different spiritual traditions who are looking at, you know, this thing, you know, looking at reparations from more from a perspective of healing and from a spiritual perspective as opposed to just looking at, you know, the economics of it, you know, and saying that, you know, we owe this amount of money because of wealth disparities, you know. Uh, I think that was important framing of this um, convention. What do you think about that? Oh, I, uh, I agree. Uh, and the, uh, the healing was so uh, necessary. Uh, so you know the opening uh, that of course you participated uh, with with uh, uh, in Goma, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, some of those families I believe is the first time they had maybe even experienced that. In fact, one of the mothers mm-hmm. told me uh, how moving that was for her. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, of course you were there, so you saw how hesitant uh, one of the fathers was, uh, the young Joseph father. Uh, to actually get up, but when he did, you know, uh, we all felt his pain. Um, yes, yes. And so it was good that we started with uh, with the healing uh, uh, mm-hmm. ceremony and, of course, the wonderful altar there that you all put together and that we ended with that. Uh, right. And so, uh, you know, those of us that was able to participate in, in, in the whole thing, it was a real holistic uh, 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 piece, uh, you know, to, to take away. Um, and in between, you know, of course, was uh, uh, all the uh, trauma that we that we heard about uh, that is still going on. 
and um, mm. that uh, I think was apparent uh, uh, to most most people. Uh, you know, we talk about what what happened back in in slavery days. You know, these people are still doing the same thing. Uh, it it really hadn't stopped. It you know. Stop. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the the only bad part about it, we have gotten comfortable. And uh, mm-hmm. so now, you know, uh, hopefully people are getting pulled out of their comfort zone. Uh, you know, we just need to, to, to stand up and support each other and uh, uh, speak out and uh, let our, our voices be heard and uh, uh, whatever else we need to do to support these families and to keep our children safe. Uh, because at, th- at this point, uh, uh, nobody's safe. It's true. It's true. Yeah, you know, um, and I'm glad you you mentioned those ceremonies because we were very intentional about, you know, incorporating healing ceremonies as a part of this convening and having priests and priestesses to um, come. And, and, you know, sometimes we do, sometimes spiritual work, we do it behind the scenes um, to cover the event, but we wanted this one we wanted to do this ceremony where people could see what we were doing and, and actually participate in the process. And as you mentioned, um, so, you know, when we were doing prayers, in addition to the priests and priestesses doing prayers, we asked for community participation. And, you know, as you acknowledged, the, um, one of the um, fathers who had his son killed was, you know, was a little hesitant to coming up. And, but once he did come up, he made a powerful contribution. And we needed to hear mm-hmm. his story in that context. Yeah, so. and um, one of the things that, um, and then, you know, by being there, you know, like you said, during the time that we were there, we were actually able to go to um, visit, go to the site where, you know, Michael Brown was killed and, and participate in the community ceremony. Um, and I was I was glad to see that it, it really felt like a community ceremony as opposed to, like, you know, a lot of them. Um, I mean, of course, the press was there and other people were there, but right, it felt right. very much like it was a community celebration, not like a lot of celebrities and, mm-hmm. you know, outside people coming well, well, in. Well, the community came out, people the standing on their patios, waving, mm-hmm. you know, red, black, and green flags. Yeah. Uh, I want to speak also to the church where we were, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Greater St. Mark, I believe it was. Sure. Yeah, Greater yeah, St. Greater Mark. Mark Family and, Church. And, yeah, and, and that pastor, uh, he... Yes said he had opened up his church during uh, uh, this this whole time that you know they've been dealing uh, 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 with uh, the the Brown case and um, uh, he was very open uh, to us also and so Correct. you know what it made me think about is what churches can do you right. know uh, he said he right. would always have the doors open for the community and right. uh and 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 this should happen throughout the country this should happen with, mm-hmm. with other uh, uh churches uh so i was real impressed uh uh with that and uh uh he participated also sure so sure. uh that uh, uh i think that added to uh the the whole uh, uh spiritual thrust he you know pretty much turned his church over uh, sure. And uh, we were able to do, you know, what what we needed to do. So that uh, that was mm-hmm. an asset, and uh, um, also helped, I think, with the with the uh, spiritual uh, uh, piece that we were trying to uh, portray to uh, to everybody. 
nature. And then even the woman who did the food is the same woman. I think was I was told the same woman that organized the food for a lot of the organizers during that time. When yeah, they were, Mama, Mama, Mama Cat. Mama yes. Cat. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. She was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I got an opportunity to talk to her a little bit. Mm-hmm. She was telling me, because I was asking her a little bit about the history of Ferguson, and she said Ferguson mm-hmm. used to be a sundown town. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so it was uh, uh, predominantly white, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, black folks had to get out of town at sundown. So as happened in so many uh, uh, cities, uh, uh, they decided to pack up and leave, and, and so, you know, black folks came in. And um, um, she provides food for the homeless, for the movement. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, she that is, you know, what she does. And I was uh, so, imp- so impressed with her. Um, and uh, we walked down, of course, at, towards the end to the Mississippi River. And she was telling me where the arches, you know, everybody talks about the St. Louis arches. She said, oh, this used to be black land. Mm-hmm. And uh, they removed the people and uh, uh, started building those arches with no black participation. And there's a brother there. Uh, she said she thought he didn't feel well, so he didn't come out. He had climbed the scaffold uh, as they were building it and refused to come down until they hired uh, a person of color or somebody. And she said mm-hmm. that they finally did hire a couple of people. Um, so uh, that little short history uh, uh, lesson, uh, which most people don't know. You know, you hear people all, mm-hmm. all the time talking about, I'm going to St. Louis. I want to see the arches. Well, right. you know, there, there, there was actually people there before the arches. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah, I got to spend a little bit of time with her too. She didn't really give me, I didn't get that, get the good history lesson that you got, but just really enjoying her spirit and her, her, um, feistiness and her, um, energy, yeah, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, I appreciate your sharing. If you have any, um, you know, closing remarks, I was, uh, I was hoping to get one of the organizers from from the, the convening, but you know it is what it is. I think you know you gave a good right. analysis. The two of us, well, I'm one of the organizers, so but wanted to get some other voices. Right. But it's all good. Right. Uh, and what I wanted to say is that in the, in the next segment we're going to talk about is we're going to um, we're going to do a little history dive and go back to um, the millions for reparations. Because I think it's oh, important wow. that we lift that up in in August and. And I know you were there, right. so we, you know, if you want to stay on the line, I'm gonna we're gonna play a clip from um, Herbert Daughtry speaking from um, um, on on that uh, speaking to us at the uh, Millions for Reparations, which was in August okay. 2002. I'll, I'll stay on for as long mm-hmm. as I can. I do have something else, uh, uh, but okay. I, I do want to acknowledge, you know, that this is uh, Black August. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I heard uh, 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 the piece uh, that you had played when I first first came on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Romeo, speaking of the, about black yeah, mm-hmm. right, right, and uh, and so we try to lift that up. In fact, I spoke at Terre Haute uh, this uh, weekend, uh, and uh, a brother organized it from the penitentiary, and uh, wow. uh, uh, the new African. Uh, uh, collective is uh, is what they were calling themselves. Oh so, yeah, the New African Assembly. Right, that was in right, Indiana. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. right. 
So, so you got uh, to attend that. Uh, That's good. Mm-hmm. Yes, we uh, Kamal and I went down briefly and uh, spoke on a panel, and um, yeah. So you know, we just gotta we we just have to keep it out here. We've got to keep people aware of what's going on, and and particularly our political prisoners. Uh, uh, you know, we we can't leave them in these dungeons that that they're in. We've got to uh, speak up for them. So I appreciate you uh, having me. Uh, I hope I've, I've said a, a few things, and uh, uh, I'll try to stay on as long as I can. But uh, I do have another engagement. Okay, that's fine. You you have any uh, quick reflection on the millions for reparations march? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna listen right now. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So. And, and we thank you. And you know, this is this is in Cobra's show, so we'll be having you back on uh, throughout the, um, you know, on other shows as well. Um, sure, just let me know. And uh, and so, um, so just to give a little context for the Millions for Reparations. So Millions for Reparations was held on August seventeenth, two thousand two. It was the year one year after the. Um, World Conference Against Racism, the World Conference Against Racism, which was held in Durban, South Africa. And again, we probably need to do a whole show about that, but uh, the, the law, the, one of the main things that came out of that, which was activists and organizers prepared even before that summit to get the words that slavery declared a crime against humanity in the document because in the final document that came out of that convening, and we were successful in doing that. And that was led primarily by the December 12th movement and the um, National Black United Front um, under Conrad Worrell, along with uh, NCOBRA as well. And we worked to uh, organize to, to do that. And so coming out of that, there was a thought that we needed to do some kind of mass um, organizing or mass um something to let people know about that victory and to amplify the, the reparations movement making forward progress. So the idea of having a Millions for Reparations march um, held on Marcus Garvey's birthday, his actual birthday fell on uh, Saturday that year. And actually there were some town hall meetings on that Friday before on the 16th, but the, the main rally was on August the 17th, 2000. And um, and I was listening to Roger Wareham, who's one of the lead organizers with December 12th Movement, and he was asked about, uh, you know, who are some of the speakers going to be, and he said this is not going to be like a lot of celebrities. This is people primarily who are doing grassroots work, advancing reparations, um, although Minister Farrakhan was one of the speakers as well as Kanye's, but uh, the rest of the speakers were pretty much grassroots um, activists and um, working on the issue of reparations. So I think we have um, queued up uh, uh, Herbert Daughtry um, speaking on speaking at that rally. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. Don't let
Nobody drag your spirit down. Eric Bibb here on Democracy Now! I'm Amy Goodman. As we turn now to the rally for reparations in Washington, D.C., as thousands gathered uh, on the 115th birthday of Marcus Garvey to demand reparations for the U.S. government for centuries of slavery and oppression. This is the Reverend Herbert Daughtry, who is pastor of the House of the Lord Church in Brooklyn, New York, and one of the organizers of this weekend's rally. We have come here on this Marcus Messiah Garvey's 115th birthday, the greatest organizer who told us to look for him in the whirlwind. So we look for Garvey in every whirlwind of social change. We look for him here today. I fancy I hear him challenging us, up you mighty race, you can accomplish what you will. So we have come here today not to cash a check, but to demand one. The check to which Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. referred almost 40 summers ago in this very city was never honored by the rulers of America. The check came back then and it comes back today insufficient funds. His check demanded riches of freedom. The check we demand includes freedom, justice, and equality. But in addition, the check we demand requires payment for 400 years of unrequited labor. 400 years of toiling in the most oppressive condition, producing the wealth enjoyed by Euro-Americans from that time up to the present. 400 years of unprecedented devastation of a people and a continent. 400 years of slavery, colonization, segregation, discrimination, and every kind of dehumanizing system conceived by demonic forces in human flesh. 400 years of stealing and cheating and swindling and exploiting. 400 years of raping and ravishing, bombings and lynchings, such as no people have ever experienced, for no reason at all. Fred Douglas said in his 4th of July speech in the 1800s, describing the unspeakable horrors of America's treatment of African people, he said, go where you may, search where you will, Go to South America, travel to the old world, search out every abuse, and when you have found the last, place them beside the everyday practices of the people of this country. And I'm sure you will agree with me that for shameful hypocrisy and revolting barbarism, America reigns without a rival. Yes. Let us not forget, they owe us for loyalty too. We have shed our blood in every war this country ever had. We were there in the Revolutionary War. Crispus Attucks was the first to die. We were at Bunker Hill and we were at Valley Forge with Washington. Had we not been there, there wouldn't be a United States of America. We were there too when the Union forces marched against the Confederacy. Had it not been for black soldiers in the struggle to survive this Union, 
there would be no union. And Abraham Lincoln said as much. Now I know that there are those who say slavery ended in 1865. Nay, but the evils inherent in the slave system did not suddenly stop with the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 of with the Union victories in 1865, nor with the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment to the Constitution. Nay, but the legacy continues even to the present time. Indeed, the beat goes on. Immediately following 1865, a wave of terror sweeped across America like a prairie fire, consuming blacks by the thousands in the most agonizing forms of death. I know that there are those who are experiencing fear today as a result of September the 11th. Well, I just want to say to you, welcome to black America. <laughs> Living with terror, we have lived with terror for so long that we have normalized it. In fact, we have lived with it so long that we can even celebrate it. We just survive anyhow. Progress anyhow. No matter what you do to us. Yes, from the black codes of 1865 and 1867 which attempted to diminish and to destroy our people to the most recent racist attack. We have been subjected to terror such as no other people. Emory University said that from 1882 to 1930, over 5,000 of our people were reported, notice, reported, lynched, reported. There's no telling how many others were lynched and unreported. Ida B. Wells stated at the turn of the century that from 1865 to 1995, over 10,000 of our people were brutally, brutally destroyed, brutally killed, and that is the reported amount. No, slavery did not end, the legacy of slavery did not end with the war of 1865. Not only so, but they have stole our land. They have subjected us to peonage and sharecropping. Not only so, but we have been uh, subjected to discrimination up to the present time. The recent statistics say in the American businesses, one-third of the American businesses still practice discrimination. And do you know what, brothers and sisters, listen and listen well, isn't it ironic, incredibly ironic, that the most violent, the most vicious acts have emanated from the police department? from the people we pay to protect us, the people we pay to protect us and from whom we need to be protected. No, no, indeed, the legacy of slavery did not end and it is very much with us today. I know that there are those who say, but I didn't do anything, as Councilman Charles Barron indicated. Yeah, but you are the beneficiaries of what your ancestors did. The very fact the very fact that you have a pale face means that you'll live from six to eight years longer than me because I have a dark face. 
the very fact that a white sister or a pale-faced sister will live eight to ten years longer than a sister with a dark face because you have membership in the club. You are the beneficiaries of what other people have done. If you don't believe, if you don't believe that you are linked to the past, then why don't you get amnesia? If you don't believe you're linked to the past, why don't all of you who have inherited anything from your ancestors give it back? The reality is we are linked to the past. And for pale faith, you don't have to do anything. You simply reap the benefit of what your ancestors did. I know, I know there are those who say, yes, but what do you want? As Brother Charles Barron has indicated, we want you to pay up. It is morally right, legally just, and historically valid. Paying reparation is as ancient as the scripture. The Bible says when the thief is caught, he ought to repay sevenfold. 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 Yes, reparation is as old as the Bible and it is as recent as Queen Mother Moore. It is as recent as H.R. 40, which was put in place by Congressman John Conyers. But if you want to go back, General Sherman in 1865 issued Field Order 15, which broke up the plantations and gave the freedmen a piece of the land. You can go back. You can go back to the Freedman's Bureau and go back to one of my favorite churchmen, Bishop McNeil Turner, who in 1890 had calculated how much they owe us. Yes, reparation is due us. It is right. It is moral. It is legal. And we have come to say, give us the check. Now, I know that those who say, well, all I want is my personal check. I hope you get your personal check. That's why I said to people who get welfare checks, listen, don't hang your head because you got a welfare check. Child, get the welfare check. Hold your head up high because I don't care how many welfare checks you get. They will not have paid you for the labor of your ancestors. Just don't get a welfare mentality while you're getting the check. What do we want? Well, we want reparation and we want it now. Now, you may want a check. I'm not sure. Somebody has said if we get a check, General Motors will be at our door tomorrow with a brand new Cadillac with all kind of chrome on it, black and green flags all around it. We'd be broke in about a year from now. No, reparations would mean rebuilding our cities. The Marshall Plan as they rebuilt Western Europe. A Marshall Plan would mean a massive health program. We suffer from more disease than any other people in this country. We have an epidemic in health. We need an educational program, yes. We need our land back. The land that they've stolen. The land that they've taken. The land that they've, through fever and manipulation, took from our people. We want the land back. That's just a start. I would be all for cancellation of third world debts. We don't want to pay you back anything. If anything, pay back. Pay back the countries of Africa. Pay back the countries of the Caribbean. Pay them back. They don't owe you anything. If it were not for the labor of our mothers and fathers, there'd be no wealth in the United States. 
If there were not for the labor of our mothers and fathers, there would be no Washington Monument putting his fingers to the sky, having stolen a design from Egypt. Not only, not only were we subjected to violence after, after, after the Civil War, but let me tell you something else. These thieves, these thieves went after our genius. They stole our music. They stole our art. They stole the stuff of which the spirit is made. They stole everything that we had. So, because of the violence, because of the labor, because of the toil, because of the violence, they owe us. And we should not rest. We should not rest. We should not slumber. We should not sleep. We should not get weary until justice is done and reparation is a reality in this country. Let me conclude on this note. Somebody said, well, what y'all going to Washington for? You ain't going to get nothing. What are you expending all this energy for? You ain't going to get nothing. Well, I tell you something I've learned a long time ago. In a struggle, you define what winning is. And the very fact that I look across this massive, massive audience today, I declare to the world, we're winning. When I think about people's consciousness being raised, I declare, we're winning. When I put the enemy on the defensive and take the offense with a moral argument, I say, we're winning. And we're going to keep on winning. We're not going to stop. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. You can bomb us, lynch us, put the police on us, send the FBI after, send the Air Force if you want to, send the Navy. But when it's all over, I said when it's all over, I said when it's all over, we'll still be here as our mothers and fathers were a long time ago. We'll still be here as was Denmark Vesey. We'll still be here as was Malcolm X. We'll still be here as was Marcus Garvey. We'll still be here as was Patrice Lumumba. We'll still be here as Shaka of the Zulus. We'll still be here as the Mau Mau's and the Maroons. We'll still be here fighting still because we know ultimately we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. God bless you. Reverend Herbert Daughtry, re-listening to that um, presentation, I just felt like he just captured so succinctly so many different key aspects of the reparation movement. And, again, that was current. I mean, he, he could have made that this year. Uh, even though that was made in 2002, that speech. So uh, I think we were just about winding up on our show. But again, I just wanted to mention two quick things. One is when we, one of the things we often talk about in within Cobra and the reparation movement is uh, Japanese reparations, and just bringing this all full circle. Um, many people aren't aware of the fact that one of the the demands, or one of the things that they did win when they received reparations in addition to monetary, was the release of their political prisoners or prisoners of war. Those people, particularly who 
who fought against them going into the internment camps and were arrested and jailed for doing so. So one of the part of their demand was for them to be released uh, as a result of their um, reparations. And so again, I just wanted to conclude that you know, uh, in the in Black August, as we focus on Black um, political prisoners and prisoners of war, that is, is definitely connected to reparations. That is definitely one of the first or, or, or primary um, demands that is made um, that we are making as it relates to reparations. And so, Sister Benita, do you have anything you want to share as we close out? I do not. I just want to thank our speaker for tonight, and uh, I really appreciate the wisdom that she brought about the uh, movement and Ferguson and holding our sisters and brothers up on that end of the world. And that's it. All right. Well, give thanks. And um, one of the um, one story I also wanted to add when I was listening to uh, listening to Mumia um, run down that history is that um, something that that's not well known about. But on August 18th, 1971, which was uh, um, yesterday, would have been the anniversary of that date, was the Republic of New Africa. Um, incident or tragedy or shootout or shoot in um, where many leaders of the Republic of New Africa were in at their headquarters in Mississippi and uh, the, the police along with the FBI they even had a tank came early morning hours um, I don't remember like 4.30 or 5 in the morning and told the, every, the residents of the house they had one hour to get out of the, the house and of course they were sleeping and in 75 seconds a minute and 15 seconds they say um, they started riddling the house with bullets um, they had been prepared for this incident so they actually had a bunker underneath the house so one young man took the two women and put them in a bunker and then put his body over them to protect them and then other brothers got themselves together and when the firing slowed down they fired back and in that incident, in that, that um, fight, uh, one police officer was killed, an FBI agent was wounded, and another police officer was wounded. None of the members in the house, after they finally did surrender, um, were injured uh, in that um, altercation. And then they uh, left from that house and went to another house, the police did, and arrested four more. And the seven that were in the house, along with the four others that were arrested from the other house, became was known as RNA 11. Um, that's again all that is some more um, significant history of us in of us in resistance and fighting back in the month of August. I just wanted to share that as we close out our show on conversation reparations, conversation reparations, conversation reparations. We'll see you in September 2nd will be our next show. Good night. Good night. We won't renounce the debt. America bounced the check. And no, it ain't all about.